Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Went into Columbus and won. I kind of wonder how much Oregon's victory at Ohio State in Columbus a couple of few seasons ago factored into the idea where they went, you know, we can do this. Like, I don't know. It's really interesting. Mike, I want more of your phone calls. Roy's holding, Pat's holding. I do have lines open at 417-7575. Mike Parker, he's the voice of Oregon State. I want to bring him on here. Hey, Parker, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it, man. Hey, John, first of all, Roy and Pat, I'd I'm sitting here on hold. I loved. I love your calls. I want to thank you and uh, John Wilner for keeping us all apprised and informed, entertained along the way. This these crazy this crazy ride we've been on with this conference. You guys have done done us all a tremendous service. So I just I appreciate that. And thanks well, for having yeah. me on. Thanks. I, I I wish you know for me the the traditionalist of me that loves grew up on the Pac-10. Loves the conference, loves the differences in the conference. I'm really sad. I'm really broken up about this. And, you know, there's part of me, even now, even today, there's moments where I have where I'm like, gosh, this thing's not going to be there as it was for all those years, 108 years. That that gets to me a little bit, Parker. John, it's um, it's it's bewildering in the standpoint of it's the only thing I know. You say the Pac-10, well... You know, I'm a Pac-8 guy. I mean, I love the conference <laughs> when it was the Pac-8. Some of my early memories are, you know, listening to games, and I never saw O.J. play in person, but I followed his Trojans in 67 and 68, and those Rose Bowl games meant everything to us as kids growing up. And I listened to the 3 nothing game from, uh, you know, as a 9-year-old kid in L.A., listening to, this outfit up in Oregon State. Who are these guys beating OJ and the Trojans three nothing in that '67 season? I remember listening to parts of that game on the radio, and my buddies and I astonished about how could the Beavers be? You know, who are they? They just beat OJ and the Trojans. So for me, the footprint, you know, the the conference has been special my entire life. So I'm still trying to get my mind around it. It it, it blows my mind to be honest with you trying to figure it all out. But I was at practice today, John, and and I was glad watching our guys, the the Jonathan Smith and his coaches working with our guys. It felt like almost an insulated bubble world where they're at work. They look good. Jonathan's built something special. This team in 2023 still has it. I mean, it's, my enthusiasm went way up today, whatever sort of confusion or bewilderment I've had about what, what's happening in the world. And it is, it's strange. I felt much better leaving pro throw field today thinking mm-hmm. about what's ahead. This season's going to be interesting. And you'll be on the broadcast. Uh, you know, Jonathan Smith's got a 10 win team that's focused on maybe taking the next step and getting to Las Vegas in the conference championship. Are they playing? F- for something extra this year in your mind with this being kind of the last hurrah of this conference? I heard you, again, thanks. I heard you and Wilner talking about that yesterday as I was driving up to Longview, Washington to call a a West Coast League Corvallis Knights playoff game. You guys kept me entertained and informed all the way up, and I heard you broach the subject that way. I think in our minds, you know, yours, mine, 
Beaver Nation, perhaps, it may feel that way. And maybe even to the guys, it'll feel that way a little bit. But the one thing that, that really was clear to me today was these are young men invested in this season and the here and now. And there's other, you know, I mean, there's younger players that are excited about whatever the future may bring, too. I, under, I, I believe that. So that I do think this, this college football season is unique. And in the history of our conference, it's absolutely <clears throat> unique. But I don't think they are going to put more pressure upon themselves of we have to do this for the Beavers, we have to do this in the last hurrah of the conference, any more than they they would have already put in terms of their own expectations for the year. So, yeah, I do think they're playing, if you view it as, you know, the last hurrah for the league, are they playing for something more? Maybe, but I don't think this group and these young men in this time are going to feel that maybe in the way we've been around this our whole lives do. You know, it feels that way to us. I think for these young men watching them at work, working on their craft today, they're just getting ready to go out and play every Saturday and have a big year. And I think they're excited about what they can do, but I don't think they're going to put any more pressure about what they must do. I like how you put that because it could turn into more pressure and a distraction mm-hmm. if people are viewing this as you know you you see that often in boxing you you know you, you got to be focused on boxing can't be focused on the emotion that's around it. Right. Mike Parker is voice of Oregon State. Um, you know you, your memory's calling the Pac-12. Did did you have a favorite stadium that you would go to as a broadcaster that just brings back a smile or a memory and maybe it has to do with the fact of something you witnessed there? Well. Because I mentioned 67, 68, and going to them, my first trip to the Coliseum was in 1970. My dad took me to Ram games, but my first USC game was 70. Saw an amazing game, Anthony Davis returning two kickoffs for touchdowns and had six touchdowns in a game against Notre Dame in 72 in a national championship season. And I remember as a pretty young kid walking across campus, seeing all the tailgate walking into the Coliseum, how it looked, how it felt, and thought, wow, this is this is great. I love this, being with my dad, going to those games. So that, while there wasn't a great deal of success for the Beavers in the Coliseum during my time calling the games, I was grateful that what turns out to be likely the last time the Beavers will ever play USC there, the Beavers won. <laughs> the Beavers defeated the Trojans 45-27. to in the 2021 season and the fact that I got to call that game in that time and their first win since Tommy Prothrow in 1960 made it pretty special to be in that place that I grew up in with my dad and great memories. So, I mean, all of the venues in the conference have meant something to me. They, they always will. And again, it's bewildering to think that, you know, that may not be part of our, of our shared future, but, I do think there's still the great reason to be excited about wherever, you know, whatever it is, wherever we're going to be in, a, in our new incarnation, Oregon State has a lot to offer, and I'm excited about what what this final season in the conference holds. Can you imagine the emotion for this upcoming Oregon-Oregon State Civil War, or whatever we want to call this <laughs> thing, the emotion of that <clears throat> final week, if a a birth to the Las Vegas Conference Championship gang is hanging in the balance. Uh, yeah. I think I think it has a chance to be one of the best games in the history of the rivalry. No doubt, John. And it'll feel a little different 
than the 09 game. You know, the 09 game was the one and only time in the history of the rivalry where it was a clear-cut winner goes to the Rose Bowl. There's no there's no vote by chancellors in 64 when the Beavers won 7 to 6. It was 10 days later that they found out, well, you got the vote, you you're going to go to the Rose Bowl. You find out, you know, almost a, a week and a half later when you're voted in in a tiebreak situation. And so the the 64 game, the winner, in theory, was going to go, and the Beavers won and did. But only once in our shared history in 2009 was the winner take all, so to speak, a clear cut to Pasadena. It still pains. The loss and the outcome of that game still pains, but it was a tremendous college football game and a spectacle unlike any other I remember in the rivalry. But I agree with you, John, in theory, that if both teams are hot, both teams are, I heard you and Wilner talk about it yesterday, let's say for argument's sake, unbeaten going into that game, I'm not sure there will be a bigger game in the history of the rivalry than that one. All right, how'd they look on the field today when you got a peek at them? You know, that was that was what encouraged me, John. Uh, you know, I've, I've been reading and, you know, reading Dashiell, who does such a great job, and and you know, my schedule hasn't <clears throat> enabled me to get to practice. This is only the second time I've been able to get there, but I saw the full practice today and came away understanding why the Beavers are, you know, preseason number 18 in the coaches' poll, maybe even undervalued at that. I think this is a really good team, the best team Jonathan has had, and he's coming off a 10-win year. I, I'm excited. Uh, I saw what DJ, I mean, DJ was spinning the ball effectively, uh, there's good competition in that room, but wow, there were a couple of times I looked up t- talking with Dashiell and Scheffler and other people, and ooh, who threw that? And I looked up, and it was DJ. The ball coming out of his hand <clears throat> impressively. The running backs are good. The O-line is good. The D-line has been bolstered. Some questions in the secondary and an inside linebacker, but they're so well coached in the back end by Trent Bray and the backers and as a coordinator. I'm really excited, and I felt better today than I have for for a while, to be honest with you, just thinking about now that we can get more late laser focused on the season itself with the new stadium, really excited about what's ahead. All right, I want to do something special here, Parker. I'm gonna We're going to bring on a couple callers, and maybe you and I okay. can uh, kick around the answers. Uh, Roy in Portland. Roy, you're on with Mike Parker and myself. What's on your mind? Hey, how you doing? How you doing, John and Mike? Good. Hey, Roy. I, I, John, I was wondering if, uh, listening to Mike, uh, if maybe you could do some type of uh, documentary or some type of book about sort of like a last dance with the Chicago Bulls about the last season. I like go behind the scenes of each fan base of the Pac-12. I love and, that. And show how they and, – and talk to people that's involved in it and – sort of like a last dance type of thing and cover the football season. I think that would be fascinating. Oh, I think it would be great. Pac-12 football season. Yeah, I think it would be that'd great. That would be some Pulitzer yeah. Prize type stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Roy, you're going to be the producer. You're going to be executive producer, Roy, in Portland. <laughs> I that's love a that. great what? idea. Roy, I love it, John. And, Roy, that's a tremendous idea. And, I, you know, I don't know what – you know, we've got a lot, every school, and I know we do at Oregon State, tremendous, talented videographer, social media savvy people that could, they could run with that and produce a, a beautiful piece. So whether that's in the works or not, 
Uh, I think it's a great idea, Roy, for every school in this kind of the last of the Pac-12 as we've known it. That's a great idea. Yeah, because I think in some corners, you know, they're you know, like I'll tell you, I'll give you. I think the temperature in Salt Lake City for Utah is that, you know, they're. I think they're relieved they have somewhere to go. You know, they're going to the Big mm-hmm. Twelve. They're not facing you know uncertainty right now. They know where they're going. Um, I think they're lamenting that they played and had great success in the conference. I don't think Utah wanted to leave. I don't think there was any shot they were leaving unless it totally disintegrated, which is what happened. So I think the different fan bases all have different experiences. There's some Oregon fans that are really excited about going to the Big Ten. There's some Oregon fans that are a little heartbroken but also excited. Um, I think it's it's just interesting to see the different emotions, you know, within within even the, the fan bases themselves. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, we're, we're, we're a base right now that certainly has questions, but, you know, I, I, I believe in, in our leadership and the resolution of those things in the days ahead, and I, I just know – as a program, we're in a great place right now, and I think that's going to carry a lot of, I think, help dispel maybe some of that confusion and bewilderment that I felt, that a lot of us have felt. Yeah. I think the season itself is going to handle a lot of that for us. Let's go to Donnie, who's in Milwaukee. Donnie, you're on with Mike Parker. Hey, John, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Um, you know, you know, this is this calls about uh, college football and the reorg and all that. It's just is a point that's been eating at me. You know, I've been listening to it a long time, first-time caller. But uh, we keep hearing the narrative from, you know, the news and broadcasters about this uh, mix-up or reorg, and it surrounds the conversation of TV executives, money, you know, what the schools are getting, why they're leaving, uh, just in and out. That's the topic, right? And right. I'm, I'm asking myself, why aren't, uh, you know, broadcasters mentioning, uh, you know, some of the things that really should be mentioned, and that's, you know, what's what's the benefit to the student? You know, right. I know I know we can talk about, oh, better facilities and et cetera, et cetera, but I'm speaking about the, the real, you know, student athlete. You know, what's it going to be like to Thursday night be thinking about the uh, the flight to Pennsylvania, you know, mm-hmm. and how does that impact their schooling, mm-hmm. especially for those that aren't going to go to the pros, right? I mean, is this really a better move for anybody but the TV yeah. stations and uh, the school's, you know, $30, $50 million purse? Yeah. You know, just, I've haven't, I haven't heard a station mentioned yet. You know, what does it mean yeah. for the kids? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and, and, and I think, too, it's important to note that, like, football travels differently than some other sports, you know, and sometimes you have a charter. And, and Mike Parker, you're on some of these flights, and you've probably flown both commercially with some teams and via charter with some teams. Give us an idea of what the travel is like for maybe a football program versus – Maybe a program, you know, if you're traveling with the baseball and they're not going on a charter or softball or something, how different does it feel? A lot different. Charter charter flights do ease <clears throat> some of the travel burden, certainly. But we have played at Penn State. We've played at LSU. <laughs> We've played at Ohio State. we played at Michigan. Charter flight or not, those are darn long. <laughs> those are long flights. But they are once a week. I do. I do agree with your basic point, John. That football is a different type of thing. You go, you know, in, in a couple of those situations, we did go in two days early as opposed to one. Normally, we would fly on a Friday on a charter for a Saturday game. A couple of those longer East Coast type trips, we went in, you know, a day and a half or two days earlier just to to get acclimated. And early in the season, with school not being in, you could do that. 
basketball and baseball, which I travel, men's basketball and baseball, <clears throat> we are generally speaking flying commercially. And there, you know, there are some challenges inherent in that, even within, you know, our, our well-known Pac-12 conference with the Mountain Schools, Arizona Schools, L.A., Bay, et cetera. Uh, you still, you know, you're waiting a lot in airports, you're changing flights, you have postponed flights, you have canceled flights, weather issues, all of that. So it, it is, it's it's hard for my mind to get around, okay, take all of that, and you're not going to Tucson or Phoenix or San Francisco or Seattle. You're going into some of these other cities that Donnie was referring to. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a conundrum that it's not going to be easy to deal with. Let's take one more. Pat is in Portland. Pat, uh, we're on here with Mike Parker. Go ahead. Hey, Mike. It's the first time I've talked to you since you became a beaver. And uh, <laughs> um, I do have a question for you. I know you're a, you're a big reader and a big history guy. Mike, do you see any um, similarities between what happened now and what happened in 59 with the big, uh, with the big uh, UCLA scandal when they, when they kicked – uh, Oregon, Oregon State, and and Washington State out of the pack. Uh, well, I guess with the pack eight. Then, do you see any anything that's similar in this situation to what happened that time, or do you yeah. do you even that's, know much yeah. about that? I think it was the PCC. A little, yeah, or, yeah, it was the back PCC, yeah. right? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Pat, good talking to you. It, it's been a long time then, if we haven't talked for twenty five years. <laughs> I'm coming up on year 25 with the beef, so I miss talking to you, Pat, but it's nice to hear your voice again. Here, yeah, yes and no. I mean, when I was thinking about Oregon State's charter charter membership in the conference with Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Oregon State, there's your big four from 1915. But in 1959, you're right, Oregon and Oregon State were relegated to independent status and you know, both teams maintained a, a a pretty, I think, pretty high level. I mean, heck, in 92, in 62, I should say, Harry Baker wins the Heisman, and the Beavers go 9-2. and two. And I think the following year, Bob Barry in Oregon went to a bowl game and had a pretty good year in 63, operating as an independent. But the whole landscape, Pat, the reason I, it's not really – I mean, yeah, the conference has had teams come and go in that sense, Idaho, Montana – you know, have been members of our league. But the, the major difference is the world we're in today. And, and I feel like, guys, Pat and John, what I've been saying for years, I know I'm an old-school radio guy and an old-school Rose Bowl guy and an old-school guy. And I feel like the whole impingement of television, money, big money, the ESPNization and Foxization of the world, and even the dialogue that began. John, you remember in the 90s, and Pat, you, I'm sure you do too. To me, the 90s was like a golden era when you had these amazing stories, Wisconsin going in 93 to the Rose Bowl, Oregon in 94, Northwestern in 95, Arizona State almost winning the whole thing going in 96, Washington State for the first time since Babe Hollingberry in 1931. When the Cougs went in 97, UCLA was a player for the national title in 98. Stanford went for the first time since 71 when they went to the Rose Bowl in 99. I felt like college football was as healthy in those kinds of games and regional rivalries. I can see the images of Wisconsin fans shut out, couldn't get into the granddaddy, the destination bowl, 
life was good. I felt like those were the best college football stories that I've really, in a sense, been around up through 99, and the Beavers had their own taste in 2000, trying to chase down the Rose Bowl and ending up going to the Fiesta Bowl. But I remember at that same time, well, thinking college football is the greatest thing in the world, and I still do, but the dialogue on the national level was we got to get a playoff. we got to get a bowl alliance. We've got to settle this thing on the field. We've got we got to settle it on the field. We can't have dual champions. We can't have a, a mythical champion. We've got to settle it on the field, settle it on the field. Every national talk show host that I heard on the national level began to ring that bell and pound that message constantly. And I remember thinking, what's wrong with what we've got? College football is a phenomenon. Keith Jackson, bless his heart, rest his soul. It's our weekly festival around the country in communities of different sizes where people get together and their community and their team means all. I feel like we forfeited so much of that by where we are now. I don't know how it was in 59 through 63, per se, in those independent years, Pat, but I feel like college football itself has been while we build the thing up to these monolithic proportions and these major money contracts and all of that, we've lost something about what was once really grand about celebrating our regional rivalries in the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. There was nothing wrong with that. I thought college football was healthy and vibrant and alive in those years, and I feel like we've been pushed by the powers that be into sort of an NFL expand playoff model, and I miss the good old days. Mike Parker, well put. I'll see you in the press box, my friend. Okay, John. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Good talking to you, Pat. Thank you. There you go. Mike Parker. Wow. Next, where we go next? Spanning the globe. We'll go to the Bay Area. Why? Because Stanford and Cal hold some keys here. If you're an Oregon State fan, Washington State fan, or a curious onlooker, where are the Cardinal and the Bears going to end up? Will they be an independent, the ACC, the Big Ten, or will they join forces with Oregon State and Washington? We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.